morning. This morning's scripture reading is from John's first letter in the New Testament, in chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. It's found on page 1303 in your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. Before we start, uh, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, you bless us in many ways, and one of your greatest blessings is your word in the scriptures. We just pray that uh, you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that we would put aside other concerns to where we could really hear what you want us to hear and learn this morning. For it's in Christ's name that we ask these things. Amen. Once again, reading from 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth in the spirit of error. Thank you, Stan. Good morning. We are going through the story, which if you've never read this great narrative, it just gives you a phenomenal overview and helps you understand where everything is in the Bible. We've made it through kind of the well-known stuff of Moses and Exodus and David and Saul, and now we're kind of an obscure, we're talking about Solomon, now we're talking about <laughs> Rehoboam, someone you may not know much about. Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. Uh, Solomon, the richest man that ever lived, still to this date, as far as on a scale of anybody's money. <clears throat> Solomon died, and he left Rehoboam his son. But Jeroboam, who was also in competition for the throne, is leading a little coup against him, and he has fled, fled to Egypt. So there's this kind of Trump-Clinton thing going on. They're both vying for the crown. Uh, They are a lot better looking people probably, but they're vying for the crown. And that's where we are. Rehoboam is about to be crowned. The entire nation of Israel, including Jeroboam, have come back to see what kind of king Rehoboam is going to be. So if you will follow along with me in 1 Kings chapter 12, kind of this obscure story that has so much to say about listening to God. Hear the word of the Lord. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all of Israel had come to Shechem, to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, 
or he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. Then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and they called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. And he said to them, Go away for three days, then come back again to me. So the people went away, awaiting an answer. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the elder men, the wise men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive. And he said, how do you advise me to answer these people? And the elders, they said to him, if you will be a servant to these people today, if you'll serve them, if you'll speak good words to them, when you answer them, when they will be your servants, then they'll be your servants forever. But... He abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him. He took counsel with the young men who'd grown up with him and stood before him. He said to them, now what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put upon us? And the young man, who by the way had grown up with him, said this. This is what you should say to these people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy but you're to lighten force. This is what you should say to them. My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. With my, my father disciplined you with whips, I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had said, come to me again on this third day. And the king answered the people very harshly. He forsook the counsel that the old men had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of these young men. He said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips. I'm going to discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. For it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord had spoken to Ahijah, the Shilamite, the Shilonite, and Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. This is the word of the Lord. Are you listening? How many times a week do you hear that? Dad, are you listening? Honey, are you listening? Mom, are you listening? Son, did you hear what I had to say? We say it all the time. Are you listening? Because we don't always listen. In fact, uh, I worked for the years in the pharmaceutical industry, and one of my far favorite uh, stories about someone not listening was told me about a cardiologist. He said that one of his patients had uh, come to him recently and, and seen him about a poor heart. Later that week, the cardiologist and his wife were at Texas, one of these Texas steakhouses, and this patient walks in, and he's got a woman about half his age with him, and he goes to the back of the restaurant, he's smoking cigars, and he's drinking heavily, and he orders a big old thick Texas steak, and he's back there laughing and cutting up, and the cardiologist is just incredulous. And, and his wife says, what's wrong? And he goes, well, that's Mr. Turner. He just came here to me two weeks ago. He's got a really bad heart condition. I can't believe he's acting like this. So after a while, he kind of thought, well, I'm going to go back and talk to him. So the cardiologist walks back to Mr. Turner. says, Mr. Turner, how you doing? Well, hi, doc. I'm doing fine. Well, it looks like it. Looks like you're having a really good time. Because that's right, doc. I'm having a great time. I'm taking your advice. And the cardiologist scratched his head and said, what advice is that? Well, you remember when I left your office, you said I needed a hot mama. I need to find a hot mama. And I need to be really cheerful. The cardiologist shook his head and said, I, I think your hearing aid's going wrong. I said, you have a heart murmur and you better be careful. Those are two different things completely. Sometimes we just don't listen or we hear what we think we want to hear. Sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not. Last uh, two weeks ago when Houston had more rain in one day than they had all year, seven people died in their cars 
driving past signs that said, do not drive in high water. One woman actually in her SUV drove past a sign that said, road closed, do not drive in high water, went around the barricades the city had set up, and of course she was washed downstream and drowned. She wasn't listening. God is talking to us every single day, every single second. Are we listening? Are we kind of like Jim Carrey in the movie Bruce Almighty? Are you listening? God is talking all the time. The scripture says because of sin, we have a hearing impairment. We're spiritually deaf, and it ruins our lives. Rehoboam had a a hearing problem. He was not listening. He brings all these wonderful people. He's ready to be king. All of Israel, even his his rival comes and says, are you listening? And the people cry. They make him king, and they say, will you just not be like your father? Will you break that dysfunctional cycle? Solomon had become a very greedy person, listening to his pagan wives, was overtaxing the people, even torturing them, imprisoning them with whips. They said, would you not be like that? And he did a wise thing, said, let me think about it. So for three days he thought about it, which is a good idea. Then he did another great idea. He said, let me ask the elders. Doesn't happen much these days, I gotta tell you. He went to the wise men, the high priest, the counselors, the brilliant men that had been with Solomon, and he said, what would you do? And they said, don't be like your dad. Don't do what Solomon did. If you'll just serve these people, if you'll love them, if you'll speak kindly to them, they'll follow you anywhere. Would you do that? He didn't. It says that he ignored the request of his people. He ignored the wise people around him very common today in our culture. And he did a stupid thing. He went to his buddies. He went to his pals. He went to his bar drinking golf buddies, 
hanging out buddies and say, hey, what do you guys think? The guys he grew up with, the kids that wanted to get the money, they wanted to be in on his entourage. He asked his peers and they said, hey, you tell them, you think my dad was strong? I got more power on my little finger than my dad. You think my dad was tough? I'm going to be tougher. He taxed you heavy. I'm going to tax you three times and he didn't just, I, he whipped you. I'm going to throw you in prison and put scorpions and a scourge on you. He did not listen at all. And it cost him everything. And the people heard that out of the 12 tribes, 10 tribes of Israel said, we're out of here. They left him, refused to let him be king, and they went to Jeroboam, his rival, and said, Jeroboam, you'll be our king. He lost 10 tribes. Then... <laughs> They sent, he sent his tax collector, Rehoboam sent a tax collector to Israel to get their money. They killed him. They stoned him and killed him and left him for dead. Then he had to flee his throne. The most incredible palace, the most beautiful place, the most expensive palace in the history of the universe, Solomon's palace, where he was sitting on a solid ivory throne covered by solid gold, surrounded by 600 solid... Uh, it made the Game of Thrones look like a children's room. Is the most exquisite palace in the world and the temple of God he had to flee that and run up to some small podunk he might leave in Washington D.C. and live in Endemit and if you're from Demet, I apologize he had nothing he went from ten tribes to running two tribes just the tribe of Benjamin and Judah and then he started a civil war like America David his father Solomon they had finally united all of Israel and driven out the pagans and now, like the civil war after our revolution in America, now there's a civil war, and Israel and Judah would fight with each other for years. He split the kingdom. He wasn't listening. He listened to his pals, his buddies, who were his own age. Here's my question for you and me. Who are you listening to? Are you spiritually deaf? So George Barna, when he ran a, a survey of what... Five sources Americans listen to the most. Where do most Americans get their ideas, their philosophies, how they make decisions? Here's the top five. Number one was family. By the way, that was the last one with uh, millennials, high school, middle school, and nexters. This wasn't even on the charts. Family's number one. This is how my granddad did it. This is how my family did it. We have these actions. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If you want something done right, do it yourself. This is how my mom and dad did it. We listen to the family history. Not always good, but sometimes good. The number two most influential thing that people listen to is the news media. If people our age, especially boomers, traditionalists, Xers, used to be uh, Dear Abby or Walter Cronkite for our grandparents, and then for boomers it was Rather and, and Hugh Hefner, and then Howard Stern for Xers and Geraldo, and now it's Blitzer and Hannity and Limbaugh. Who are you listening to? Nancy Grace? That's who we listen to. Thirdly was Friends for adults. For, it was Friends. You know, the guys, at the, golf, the guys I play golf with, the girls I play bunko with, uh, the people at the hair salon, the people I go to the club with, they listen to our, their, their friends. By the way, millennials and below, middle school, high school, and nexters, friends are number one. Sorry, parents. Once they turn 12, friends are the number one texting and listening to. Who's the fourth, what's the fourth most powerful influence uh, in Americans? The internet. Facebook, we can, we can rail back and forth about this candidate, that candidate, political. We can blog, we can tell people what we think. It's all about the internet. Well, guess what? That's number two for millennials. They don't need you. They don't need your teacher. They don't need your grandparent, their grandparents. They don't need their pastor or their youth pastor. They can Google it. They can Wikipedia it. If they get sick, they can WebMD it. 
They're not listening to us. They don't have to. They don't have to memorize the Bible. They can punch in a verse and it's theirs. That's what they're listening to and that's who we listen to. And then really, what's interesting, fifthly for adults, but third for young adults is entertainment, music, movies, and videos. The primary way America gets their advice. And we do the same thing. For traditionalists, Sinatra said we should do it my way. For boomers like myself, the Beatles said all you need is love. For Xers, Queen said we're the champions of the world, and you two said we still haven't found what we're looking for. Millennials today have a problem. Taylor Swift just says, shake it off. Beyonce says, just make lemons. Make lemonade out of lemons. It's her video where she bashes out car windows in New Orleans. Country Western <laughs> tells us the same kind of great advice. If your fiancé breaks up with you, just get drunk on a plane. If you're having a hard time, let's start day drinking. Let's drink on a pontoon. Let's buy a boat. Brandon uh, Lambert says something bad's about to happen, and it did. Her marriage fell apart. That's where we're getting our advice. That's where your students, that's where your kids and grandkids are getting their advice from celebrities because for some reason what they say is important. Uh, If you want to be the most beautiful in the world like Jennifer Aniston, you buy a vino. If you want to look cool as a retired dude, uh, wear Wranglers like Brett Favre. Um, If you want someone to take care of you, man says nationwide is on your side. That's where we're getting our advice. That's why we have issues. What happens if we listen to the world instead of to God's word? What happens if we continue to be spiritually deaf? In 2011, one of the greatest football players in high school history for Texas was listening to his pastor, listening to his coach, listening to even a youth minister, even a group of Christians he had. And he, was, he, he broke every record in high school. He looked at all these different colleges and places to go. He could go anywhere in the country. And his coach and his family, even his friend said, I bet a and is the best place for you. Good conservative Christian principles there. Go to A&M. He went there under Kevin Sumlin. He started listening. He was doing a phenomenal job. As you know, his freshman year broke every record in history for the NCAA, for A&M, for the Big 12. He was the first freshman to win the Heisman, although many Heisman voters said we should not have given it to a freshman. And then he stopped listening. After he won the Heisman, had two or three several altercations with policemen in College Station. He tweeted that he hated College Station. He quit listening to his high school coach. He quit listening to his Christian friends, and things just got worse. He decided to play in the NFL, even though his coaches said he needed another year to mature. That summer, he was in trouble for sharing, uh, selling autographs. Uh, he went on and got kicked out that summer from Peyton Manning's quarterback camp because he was drinking so much. Uh, it just got worse and worse. He got drafted by the Cleveland Browns, and as he walked across the stage, he did the Johnny football sign. He continued to get arrested and thrown out of bars. He got arrested for a domestic violence incident. Uh, he, 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 got, he started drinking so heavily that the Cleveland Browns had to put him in rehab. It just got worse and worse. And then his agent fired him, and then his sponsors fired him, and then he went to rehab again. They were seen drinking in College Station, drinking in Las Vegas, It just got worse and worse. And finally, this past month, a grand jury has decided to indict Johnny Menzel for hitting his girlfriend so hard he broke her eardrum and dragging her by her hair across a parking lot. His dad said, I don't think my son will live to be 24. He's not listening. And the Bible says that could be true of all of us. Are we listening? Will the next generation listen? How can we do that? In my house, like many houses... We have an air conditioner, we have a heater vent, it's right in the middle of our house, and there's an intake, and that intake is a filter, and as that air intake 
sucks up the air from our house and brings it through the air conditioner back in our house. There's a filter there. We have to change that regularly, especially in West Texas. And that thing filters out dirt and dust and debris and harmful stuff so that the air conditioner keeps working and that clean air is pumped back into our house. Scripture says that unless we use the right filters, we're going to be spiritually deaf. What filters are you using? The media, the music, your buddies, uh, MTV, what's, what's your filter? The Bible is very clear about what filters make for life. The Bible says the first filter we should always filter everything through is the Word of God. The Word of God is inspired. God's Word is inspired. It's for every good work that you might be equipped. The Word of God filters out whether or not God is really speaking to us. Are you listening to the Word of God first? The Word of God is accurate. It is imper- it's perfect. It's inerrant. Is that your first filter? If it's not, we're in trouble. In fact, when we talk about talking to our young people, I have to tell you, after years of working with young adults, high school, middle school, they don't need your opinions. They don't need the old stories. They don't need to know how it used to be in the grand old days. They don't need to hear how they should dress or what they should wear, what they should listen to. They're not listening to that. They don't care about our political pundits. They don't care about our platitudes. They don't care how it used to be. In fact, there was a parent that said not too long ago to his middle school kid, Son, when I was your age, and the middle school kid said, kid said, Son, Dad, you were never my age. We were never their age, folks. They're dealing with things that you've never had to deal with. They don't need our opinions and our political rantings and ravings on Facebook or TV with people in boxes screaming at each other. They need to hear the word of God from us. And they need to hear that first and foremost over everything else. Are we worth listening to? Are we going to the word of God? The second thing scripture says that we should do is to filter everything through the word of God and then the spirit of God. That the Holy Spirit in us teaches us, corrects us, reproves us, convicts us, teaches, he confronts and he comforts and he grieves with us. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't make good decisions. You'll be spiritually deaf without the spirit of God living in your heart. Otherwise, you're just making up your own stuff and you'll be in trouble. The word of God, the spirit of God, and the third thing is the people of God. Are you reading Christian authors? Are you listening to Christian music? Are, are, are we being counseled by Christian counselors? Are we listening to Christian teachers, Christian friends? Are, that's what our kids need in this next generation. They need you, godly people, to not care about how they dress or what they say, but to filter, help them filter truth. By leading them in the word of God in your relationship with Jesus. What filters are we showing these kids? What filters are you using? The word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. They want to hear the truth. Christ says, if you seek the truth, you'll find it. He is our truth. Are we showing kids Jesus? Or just the good old American way that won't save them? It won't help them how they vote. It won't help them how they dress. If they quit smoking, it won't help them. They need Jesus. Are you showing them Jesus? Are we giving them Jesus? When I was a young life leader in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was with a young man on a ski trip named Tin Chow. Tin Chow, parents had immigrated from Vietnam and he lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma and Tin was a cool kid. He had it all together. He was a junior in high school. He was a perfect score on his SAT, perfect score on his ACT. He was already getting college offers. 
going to be the school valedictorian. He was the best looking kid. He was the best athlete. He won all the awards. Ten had it all together. And Ten and I, after three or four days of skiing together and listening to the gospel at night, we're on a chairlift. You know me, you've heard this story. It changed my life. It changed how I do ministry. I'm going, I'm, I'm going up a chairlift at Monarch Ski Area with Tin Chow. I said, Tin, how are you doing? Because I'm having a great time. This is wonderful. Of course, he's the best skier there. I said, what do you think? Are you listening? What do you think about Jesus? He goes, oh, Tally. Because come on. I don't need any Jesus stuff right now. Are you kidding me? That's old man stuff. I'm having the time of my life. I have the rest of my life to think about Jesus. I've got the rest of my life. That was December of his junior year. That July, at 3 o'clock in the morning in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I get a call from Tin's mom. She's crying. Mr. Kim, Tin is dead. He's dead. Because on his 18th birthday, on July 18th, Tin Chow got 18 beers with 18 friends and got on the top of Memorial High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and drank and drank and drank. And as is common for the, the theme of that day, from watching a movie, he jumped up on a skylight about midnight and jumped up on the skylight above the gym and he said, I'm king of the world! And his friends watched in horror as he fell through that skylight, flipped over, broke his neck on the gym floor. He wasn't listening. A week later, four days later, I had to stand in that very spot with 2,000 high school students from Moore and say, are you listening Tim's death, are you listening to what he's saying? Are you listening? The good news is, God is always speaking. He says in scripture, listen up. Deuteronomy says this. Are you loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him? He is our life and the length of our days, so that you might dwell in the land the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them. That's what the generations need. They need the word of God. They need the spirit of God. They need people of God. God is always speaking. Are we listening? Job's friend said this to him in Job 33. God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of night, when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber on their beds, then he opens the ears of men who are spiritually deaf. He terrifies them with warnings that that man or woman may turn aside from their deed, conceal the pride from a man. He keeps back his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. Are you listening? God is speaking every day through his scripture, through his word, through his spirit, through his creation through his people, but he's also shouting. See, we were crying out to God. He heard us. He listened. We were crying to God as a human race. Please, God, help us. And he heard us, and he shouted at us through Jesus Christ. He said, I don't just hear you from up here. He came down, became a human with two ears, and said, I hear you, and I'll die for you. And Jesus Christ let God become spiritually deaf as Jesus cried out, Daddy, where are you? God the Father became deaf to his own son so that he could hear us. Christ died in our place, became spiritually deaf so that we could hear God's voice and know him and speak to him personally. Are you listening? Let's listen up, folks. And let's give these dear kids in our country, in our church, what they need for life. Are you listening?
It's my privilege now to introduce you uh, one of our missionaries. Uh, this is Tim Hagen today. And Tim is um, a child of this church. Susan and Hugh Hagen are his parents. Um, Tim has worked for many years for the Word at Work. The Word at Work was um, established by Tim Tam, who was one of our youth pastors at one time. And so Tim Hagen works with him. Does great work, amazing things, and Tim's going to share some stuff uh, with you today. 